We glorify you right now. Mm. Jesus' name. Praise God. Hallelujah. That we have in line, and I think it's important that we get there. Favor is extremely important because in the New Testament, the word for favor is really the word karyos. It is the same word for grace. It means to have grace. So when we talk about favor, we talk about having grace. The most important grace statement to me in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, well, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, when Paul seeks his um, healing, and the Lord tells him, my grace is sufficient. That I don't know if you understand that God is not trying to answer your prayers. Let me say that again. God's not trying to answer your prayers. He's trying to get you in line. That's because many of us want things that God never intended to give us. And we're seeking things we never should have wanted. I'm going to give you one scripture now, and then I'll, I'll get it. I just want to say a few things. We're going to commune today. We're going to have koinonia. Uh, I believe we need, Bishop, Bishop McCargo said something very interesting uh, yesterday. He talked about mergers, and he talked about how companies on the outside worry about merging and coming together for strength. I also believe my vision for living in favor is that we can merge and blend all of our ministries together and stop the bickering and the fighting and trying to positioning as a worry about. In fact, it was, it was even at one point when Jesus was going in his ministry that some of the parents, see, people try to be influential, influential with you, and some of the parents of the disciples came to Jesus and said, when you get in your kingdom, can my son sit on your right and left hand? Jesus said, let me deal with this positional shifting right now. If you can bear my cup, if you can handle some of the things I'm getting ready to go through. Because, see, it costs something to be in position, especially as a visionary. Because, see, what you don't understand, the devil wants to attack every visionary in here. That's why we read that bishop's confession. We're confessing those things because it is the visionary who has influence over people. He's not after you. He's after your leader. Because if he can get his, your leader, he got you. He can have a hundred demons attack your leader and affect a thousand people who see that leader fall rather than assign a demon to a thousand of you. You're not that important to the kingdom, but your leader is. If God can get your leader off track, he gets your church off track. So he wants to keep you on track so you can keep your church on track. That's why you need to pray for your leader. You need to pray. You need to cover him with your prayers. And see, I, sometimes we worry so much about the leader praying for you and coming to your needs and dealing with you. We need to deal with the leader. Because if he's in position, he will be a watchman on the wall. And he can cry loud and spare not and get things together. Let me show you two things that, that involve because it's, and, and the title of this lesson today is Favor. I'm going to show you something about favor. It's the grace of God, but let me show you something. Turn to Luke chapter 2, verse 52. Something interesting there. Luke chapter 2, verse 52. There are two times in the scripture that is said of two men who get double favor. 
fact, let's call this double favor because you need it. And there are only two times in the scripture that we're given two men who are told in the Bible that they have double favor. We're going to look at one here and we're going to look at another one in a minute. But the first one is Jesus Christ. Look at, look at what it says about him. He, he, here's, here's what happened to him. Luke 2.52, reading out the, the New International Translation, it simply says this, And Jesus grew in wisdom and statue, and in favor with God and men. Look at that conjunction. Let me read that again. Jesus grew in wisdom and statue and in favor with God and with men. Everybody say double favor. Double favor. Uh, just, uh, I want you to stay here because I'm coming back here, but I want you to turn to 1 Samuel 2.26. 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 26, because that's the second time we get another man who's pronounced to have double favor. First Samuel chapter 2 and verse 26. Here's what it says. And the boy Samuel continued to grow in stature and in favor with the Lord and with men. Ah, you, you see that? The boy Samuel continued to grow in stature and favor with the Lord and with men. Yes, Somebody say again, double favor. Double favor. Something's getting ready to happen here. You know I mean? That means you don't just need the favor of God. Because some of us think if we just get the favor of God, forget about everybody else. It don't work like that. This is double favor. Principle number one. Favor is progressive. Favor is progressive. You see the text? It says in Luke and in Samuel that they grew. So you didn't get instant favor. There's going to take a struggle for you to be appreciated. So if you're not honored just because you got your vestments on, it may be because you haven't been through nothing yet. Favor is not instant. It is progressive. Number two, favor is time sensitive. Favor is time sensitive. I'm getting these preliminary points out of the way because I'm getting ready to show you something. And, and it says of Jesus that he grew in wisdom and in statue. Now, now, you see, it takes a while to get wisdom. Wisdom is the ability. See, what, what we found about Jesus earlier is that he was in the temple. He went back and subjected to his mother for another 18 years before he went out. See, there's a difference to that some of you feel the minute you're called, you need to perform. Luke records, and, and let me back up for a minute about Luke, because Luke, if you never read Luke 1 through 4, Luke chapter 1, verses 1 through 4, you need to read, because Luke is a historian, he records the set in order. 
all the things and all of the traditions, all the oral things that he heard about what Jesus did. And so he is writing in the third party because Luke is the only Gentile. In fact, in Colossians 4.14, Paul calls him the beloved physician. He's the only Gentile writer of the gospel. He's the only one who's not a Jew who's written all, all the books of the, of, the, of the Bible were written by Jews except for Luke. Luke is a Gentile. And he's writing in the third party because he's writing the things that he's gathered from the oral traditions that was going around, from the preachings of Peter and from the preachings of Paul. He parts putting his gospel together. And he's writing it to, to the office which means love of God. Some, some people think Theophilus is a, is a real person. He may have been a Roman uh, official or so forth. But I got something interesting to tell you about Theophilus. I was doing some study. Theophilus was another name for Christians. It meant those who were loved of God. So in a sense, Theophilus was a code word. So when he wrote the gospel, when he wrote Acts to Theophilus, he wrote both of them in the same way. He was writing to those who were loved of God. He was writing to an audience that had the favor of God on their life. So principle number one, again, favor is progressive. It takes time. We accumulate knowledge, and our problem with knowledge, and I, say, I, I would say academically, we can get all the knowledge we want, but if you don't get wisdom. See, wisdom comes with time. It comes with experience. You get wisdom. That's why it says here, Jesus grew in wisdom and statue. Because when you are called, and here's the mistake we make, brethren and sisters, let me tell you something. This is the mistake we make. We think just because we were called, we are now mature. When Paul gives the 15 qualifications of what a bishop should be, an overseer, in and Timothy and in Titus, he, one of them he says that they should not be a novice. In other words, you can't just get saved and run around being a leader. I don't care if you were called when you was nine years old. Jesus knew at 12 that he must be about his father's business. But he had to grow in wisdom and in stature. That's called preparation. So many people want to be instant leaders because they want to get called and they want to get ordained next month. And they get upset because you want to put them to a season of preparation. They go to somebody else who will lay hands on them just because they give an offering and they offer in another position in the church and they leave you. Because if you don't do it, somebody else will. You're trying to teach them how to grow in wisdom and in stature and they don't have time to wait because I want what I want now. Like little kids. There's a lot of things you don't mind giving to your child, but you know that in wisdom that they're not ready for some of the things they want, and you're not telling them they can't have it, but not now. You got a little maturing to do first. You can't tell folks that in the church now. They don't want to hear no maturity. They say, I've been called of God. I'm called. That's fine. You've been called. But keep this text in mind. 
You got to grow in wisdom and in stature. So favor is progressive. Secondly, favor is time sensitive. Thirdly, favor is abusive. Favor is abusive because folks will hate you because you are favored. I'm going to show it to you in a minute. I haven't got there yet, but I'm getting there. Give me a chance. I got to get some of these principles out of the way because I want to take you somewhere because you got you to understand something, how you got to develop. But, but he grew in wisdom and faith and statue and in favor with God and with men. Now, this doesn't mean that he was a people pleaser. This doesn't mean he was trying to have one face over here trying to please people and another face over here trying to please God. What it means is that God gave him favor. He had the favor of God because he was called by God. But to get the favor of men, that's when you know you got the favor of God. I don't mean everybody got to like you, but they got to respect you. And the problem with many of us, we don't know how to gain respect because in order to get respect, you got to give respect. No, it's not about who you are. It's about how you act. And folks respond to your attitude and your behavior more so than your statue. I don't care what you call yourself. It's what you demonstrate. Jesus said to these disciples when he got ready to send them out, he said, these signs shall follow them that believe. He didn't say it with proceed. I know y'all want your adjectives in front of you to proceed you. Let everybody know the bishop is coming. The bishop is coming. No, the scripture said these signs will follow them. Folks ain't going to know who you are when you get there. But when you demonstrate the anointing that's in your life, they're going to know you've been with Jesus. Many times I go in places, they don't know who I am, and I don't tell them. But when I open my mouth, then they know who I is. You got to run around showing your cards and your, your thing and who I am. You know, here's my business card. I'm Bishop so-and-so. See all these letters behind my name? All you got to do is open your mouth. Your speech betray you. That's why when, when Peter was there and Jesus was getting ready to go be crucified, they said, aren't you one of his disciples? No, no, I never knew the man. He tried to. He said, no, they asked him because his speech betrayed him. Because who you hang with, you'll start talking like. And just maybe you don't have any favor because what we hear coming out your mouth displays who your real father is. Y'all might not shout, but do you hear what I'm saying? The only reason they recognized who Peter was because they heard his speech. 
I mean, folks have to have to know. See, and I want people to know that when you're in living in favor, we get in the favor of God and the favor of men. You got to talk like your bishop. If you're not demonstrating like your bishop and talk like your bishop, they ain't going to say you one of them. Because you pick up the character of what you hang around. Principle number three, you can't have favor in the wrong environment. Is that four? Somebody said that's four. Y'all trying to scare me. I said three. What, what was three? That's right. Favor is abusive. Y'all trying to confuse me. Bishop Gavin did that. <laughs> you can't find favor, number four, in the wrong environment. Thank you. Just want to make sure y'all was listening. <laughs> now, what does it mean to find it in the wrong environment? That means we cannot demand favor. You cannot command favor. You have to wait until it is revealed. Because you, you can't get it in the wrong environment. I'm going to show you, I'm gonna show you some environmental conditions of, of favor that, that's extremely important, too. Turn to Luke chapter 4. In Luke 4, there are, some, there are some interesting things because when Jesus starts to really get, the scripture here in Luke 2 said he grew in favor. It said that he grew in favor, right? So he goes in, Luke records his temptation in chapter 4. Right after him being tempted, let me show you something, 4.12. He tells Satan his last test. Satan tries to test him three times, but his last test, he tells Satan. Do not put the Lord your God to the test. He's quoting Deuteronomy 6, 16. The whole temptation issue with Jesus and facing the devil in the wilderness, because here's where Matthew and Luke is trying to show you that what Jesus does in the wilderness with Satan is what Israel failed in the wilderness going to Jordan. They failed the test. Jesus gave them a test all throughout the wilderness to trust him. Yet Numbers records 21 times they murmured against God. Three cycles of seven. They kept murmuring against God. Isn't God long-suffering? But see, here's where you, 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 you got to understand that God will bless you but not favor you at the same time. And sometimes you think your blessings is favor, but your blessing is historical. Because when God decides to bless you, it's usually because of something that he spoke in somebody's life long before you came along. And you became the recipient of a historical, genealogical blessing. That God spoke to your father, to your grandfather, to your great-grandfather that he was going to bless them. But since favor is progressive, it may never have happened in their lifetime. So many of us are recipients of generational blessings. 
I said, well, my, my blessings now, they're going to your children, to your children's children, and as many as the Lord thy God shall call. Because what's holding you now is the, is the blessings and the prayers that happened a long time ago because favor is progressive. It's on its way because Jesus is a product of prophecy that had been going on for almost 2,000 years. And finally, the Lord kept saying, I'm going to send a savior. I'm going to send a comforter. But it didn't happen right away because it had to be progressive. And you got to be in the right environment to get favor because it will not bloom in the wrong environment. I'm getting to the double favor, but I'm going to show you something before I get there. If I can get you double, I want you to understand some first principles about what it means to be single in terms of favor. So, so what he says, verse 12, 412, do not put the Lord God to your tests. And, and look, listen to this. When the devil had finished all the tempting, he left him for a more opportune time. Your season of divine favor. The devil will leave you alone for a while just because you got through this test. Don't think it's over. He waiting for another opportunity. He waiting till you get through, stop raising your hands so you got through praising God so you get through thanking him. He waiting till you get tired and you get satisfied and you think it's all well. Then here come the devil. You notice he, it's not that he never bothered Jesus some more but let me tell you something once Jesus settled this issue of who he was going to worship the devil never made here's what you have to look at in the gospel you will never see another frontal attack of the devil with with Jesus because once he made that frontal confrontation and Jesus straightened him out the devil now has to make sneak attacks so all the rest of the devil's attack in Jesus life are from behind they're sneak attacks they're through other sources. They're through other means. Because he know I can't confront him again. Because Luke 10, 18, Jesus reflected back as he was running around. Every time he turned around, there was these potholes and things that was going on. But Luke 10, 18 said, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. He was thinking back on the I wills of Satan in Isaiah 14 when he said he'll bring himself up. And the moment he thought that in his mind, God threw him out of heaven. And Jesus reflected back in eternity and said, I beheld Satan as lightning fall. See, what you have to do is start getting a vision in your mind. When you see all this cloud and all these things that are going on, you got to get a vision of the defeat of Satan and the victory of the redeemed. So whatever you're going through, whether you're sick, whether you're in trouble, whatever you have, you got to get a vision of what not is now, but what's going to be. Because in all of these things, you are more than a conqueror. Stop living in your now. They, they, see, they, they accuse us of being so futuristic. Christians used to be very futuristic, but we lost it somewhere. Somewhere along the line, we got complacent. We're getting into the things that are now. We start worrying about material things, and we start worrying about who we are now. And we, but, but, you know, Colossians 3 and 1 says, says, if we then be risen with Christ, seek not those things, seek things that are above and not things on the earth. We gotten so used to that being here and being comfortable, we keep forgetting we're in transition. The moment, let me tell you something, in 2 Corinthians 5.17, the moment you became a new Christian, you became an alien. You are no longer of this world. 
You are no longer the human being because you then transferred from being a creative son to becoming a redemptive son. And so your status as a creative child of God changes from just being because the creation got marred and got messed up and he had to put it back in and put the clay back in and make it over again. That's what it means about being a new creation. He gave you a new attitude, a new status, a new thing to understand that now I am new so I'm walking in a world that I don't relate to. So in essence, I'm an alien. I'm waiting for my metamorphosis. I'm just buying my time. I'm here, but I'm not from here. I'm in the world, but I'm not of the world. I am walking in the skies because the glory of God is in me. But Paul says, we've got this treasure in earthen vessels. So my vessel was coming up the glory. And see, let me tell you about that earthen vessel concept that Paul was talking about anyway. What he's talking about is like all these lamps. You see, you see the light up here? See these shades? We all have different color shades on the glory. It's the same glory, different shades. Stop trying to compare your shade with my shade, Bishop Elect. I, you ain't got no more glory than I got. You ain't got no more spirit than I got. There are not degrees of anointing. There is an anointing. He just covered it up in different shades. Just because my shade don't look like yours don't mean yours is better than mine. Okay, okay, Paul puts it like this. The foot cannot say to the hand, I'm not part of the body. In order this whole body to function, everything got to work together. I need you and you need me. We can't get there working alone. A hand can't function without a foot. A foot can't function without an eye. I don't care what the eye see if it don't hear. It takes all of the parts of the body to strengthen everything that you are. And yet we're so busy crippling and giving spiritual cancer to each other because we're fighting each other. When are we going to stop fighting each other so we can fight the devil? Let me show you what happens when he comes out the wilderness experience. Verse 14. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit and news about him spread over the whole countryside. He taught in their synagogues and everyone praised him. <laughs> now let me, let me clarify this so everybody don't be worn out trying to look for praise from everyone. Remember the clue. He was to grow in wisdom and statue with God and with men. What people ought to be praising you for is the anointing that comes through your life. The favor is that they recognize who's inside you. Here you see him growing in favor with God and man because they recognize what's inside of him. But oh, here come the devil. 
Verse 16, look at it, here come the devil. He went to Nazareth where he had been brought up on the Sabbath day. He went in the synagogue, and as was his custom, he stood up to read. The stroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him, unrolled it. He found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty or freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he shuts the book. He doesn't go on to talk about the judgment that's going to come because 